Amen. As you're being seated, if you'll find your Bible, open it up, turn it on. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3 today. We are in the series that we've been calling Above the Line. And what we've been talking about is what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? What is a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? What does that look like? And so we've had this graphic that you've seen, you see on the screen that has been our guide, and I hope that you reach a point at the end of this series where you're able to explain what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So here you are in the middle, and you are desiring to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. And so we have talked about this line. Now, this line represents the division between those things that are heavenly and those things that are earthly. It represents the division between those things that are eternal and those things that are temporal. Now, we realize that those that uh, do not know God or those that are not Christians, they pretty well live their entire lives below the line. And so what they think about, what they live for, what drives them are the temporal things. It's the stuff that is below the line. But we as Christians, we live in an unusual place because we desire God's will in heaven to be seen here on earth. And so we find ourselves in a situation where though we physically live below the line, we often need to go above the line. So we looked at the passage there in Colossians where it told us to set our minds on those things which are above. And then we will have the strength and the viewpoint to go to war with those things which are below. And we have used four letters within our illustration here. W, G, S, and L. Those four letters represent the various milestones in what it looks like when a person is living a life that is fully devoted to Jesus Christ. Let's see if you can remember them. What does W stand for? What does G stand for? S and L. Very good. All right, everybody gets a Hershey bar or something like that because you got it all right. Well, worship, we talked about that last week, above the alignment. You are aligning your life with God in such a way that everything in your life seeks to bring glory to God. You begin to realize that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that your Creator designed your life with purpose, that your Creator made you in such a way that your life, your story, is actually His story. That from Him and to Him and through Him are all things for His glory. And so as a worshiper, I'm able to live my life with a singleness of purpose that aligns everything with one simple thing, and that is I want to bring glory to God. I want to glorify God in my parenting, in my marriage, in my career, in my words, in my attitude, in everything that I do. I want to bring glory to God and bring all these different avenues of life into alignment with what it means to be a worshiper. Now, when it comes to growth, we're going to talk about that in detail today. And I often talk about growing up and growing together that we want you growing together in relationships with other believers, but we also want you growing up in the Word of God so that you can go above the line and understand the truth of God 
and be able to look at life through the lens of Scripture. And so that's what we're going to be unpacking today in our time together. Next week, we're going to look at service and how the secret to receiving love is to give love, that God created you, He designed you not to hoard His blessings or hoard His grace, but to connect with the world around you and be a person who extends love to others. And then ultimately, we believe that the Christian life is to be lived, that we live life together as a church, and that Christianity ought to have a contagiousness to it. That as Christians, there ought to be a joy, there ought to be something about our life that draws people to the cross of Jesus Christ rather than pushing them away because our lives demonstrate an anger or a toxicity that literally pushes people away from the very message that is the core to everything that we are. So worship, grow, serve, live. Here you are, you need to go above the line in your worship and your grow so that you can come below the line into the temporary world that we all live in and serve others and live a life that has joy and contagiousness to it, drawing people to the gospel. Now look with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. This will be our core verse today where the Bible says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe. You know those who taught you. And you know that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now here's how it goes. The Facebook announcement is made. And a family in our church announces that they are expecting another child. No, that family does not have the last name of Banks, okay? We are not expecting another child. But this hypothetical family announces they're expecting a child. And then we as a church watch poor mama go through the first 12 to 14 weeks of nausea and the difficulty that goes along with that. And then she starts to feel a little bit better and we begin celebrating this coming life and we throw a baby shower and we get all excited that the Lord is about to add a life to a family within our church. And then mama gets great with child, and she starts getting miserable and more miserable, and then eventually the blessed day comes and the baby is born. Now, we're going to name this baby Timothy, not because of anyone specific within our congregation, but because the passage that we are looking at today was addressed to a young man, a young preacher, by the name of Timothy. And so baby Timothy comes to church. His parents bring him here week after week, and they take him to the block ministry, our preschool ministry, and there he's introduced to a beautiful, godly woman by the name of Stacy that I love so much that I married. And Stacy begins introducing little Timothy to the love of God and to the basic principles of Christianity, and he is taught about what it means to worship God. And then little Timothy continues to grow up in church, and he goes into grade school years, and he is part of our children's ministry. And Mr. Tiny teaches him how to use his Bible, and Mr. Tiny teaches him how to 
go to the Word of God for perspective and for truth. And he learns the stories of Scripture. And little Timothy comes to a point where he receives Christ as his Lord and Savior. And we roll up that screen. And one day, Timothy is baptized before the church. And we all celebrate and clap because Timothy, who we watched be born, has now grown up to a point where he himself has believed in Christ as his Savior and Lord. And then he goes into those teenage years and he goes into the ministry uh, with Mr. Fletch and and Miss Trish and and they begin teaching him that life is not meant to be seen in a selfish perspective, but that life should drive us to service. And during those years where so many uh, are thinking about themselves, only Timothy is taught to serve and to get beyond himself and to connect with what God is doing around the world. And Timothy is also supported at home. Whenever he goes home, there are parents and there are grandparents that live out a genuine, authentic Christianity, and he sees this modeled. And so he hears his parents talking about how they can reach out to the people in southeast Texas, and he is prayed with, and he has a grandmother that that shows him the love of God, and a grandfather that shows him what a man of God looks like, and, and he's taught that the scriptures are sacred, and his parents and his church teach him, Timothy, if you want wisdom for life, if you want to know truth, if you want to know what your Creator has said is right and what your Creator has said is wrong, go Go to the scriptures and they will give you perspective and they will help guide you through life. Don't ever abandon these truths that you find here in the word of God, Timothy. And at the same time, while Timothy is being raised to love the Lord, his his God, with all of his heart, mind, and soul, Timothy grows up in a world that is below the line. And Timothy grows up in a world where there are a lot of voices telling him other things. And so he watches movies and even some of the the little kids' movies as cartoons. And he listens to music and he reads books that, that teach him that having a great life and being the person that he wants to be is not going to be found by going above the line and and learning how to worship and finding truth from God's Word. But no, Timothy, what you need to do is you need to look within and and you need to find the light within you and you need to course your own, uh, set your own course because you are the captain of your life and you are to play the role of God within your life. And and he, he struggles because above the line says, look above, Timothy, and you'll find truth from Your creator and and the truth will set you free and you were created to live a life that honors God. And then he hears the voices below the line that says, look within, discover your own truth. And the truth will set you free to live life on your own terms. And he hears that above the line, uh, he hears that the secret to finding love is to give love and that love is fundamentally non-selfish and it's about meeting another person at their point of need and trying to genuinely care about what's in their best interest. And yet he also hears the message below the line that love is about finding somebody who will complete you and be your cheerleader and kind of just fill in all the gaps and just help you be who you want to be and that love should never really interfere with your comfort zones because love is actually about you just being an individual and you being a better individual. And so young Timothy grows up hearing both voices and then he goes off to college and his parents gleefully pay $25,000 a year for his professors to attack his faith (laughs) 
And Timothy goes off into the classroom and there he realizes his support system is no longer there. And a crisis begins to occur in Timothy's life. And here's the crisis. Is there such a thing as transcendent truth? Truths that come from God. Truths that are absolute. They were birthed into the creation. They are part of the creative order. And they do not change with circumstance, with time, or with culture. Or is truth something that everybody must figure out for themselves? And so there are multiple editions of truth. And as long as your truth does not hurt another person, everything is ultimately truth. And Timothy has to deal with this question, will I find wisdom from life by looking above, wisdom for life by looking above and seeing life through the lens of the Word of God, or am I going to find wisdom for life by listening to my friends and key influencers and looking within myself and charting my own course? Will I understand life through the creative lens of my God, through His truth, or will I be a demigod, a little God, that tries to chart my own course as far as right or wrong, and tries to play the role of God in my life? Now, your answer is vital, and you've probably figured out that all of us are Timothy, and your answer is vital Because it will determine whether or not you continue to grow as a disciple or do you stagnate and even eventually run from the truth. And so the Apostle Paul says to this young man, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know who taught you. And you know that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So in this room today, we have several groups of people. Some of you have decided. You have decided that in your life, you go above the line. You want to align every area of your life in such a way that it brings glory to God. You want to have a biblical worldview. So whenever you look at the world around you and you try to make sense of the ultimate questions of life, you look at the world around you through the lens of Scripture. Some of you in the room today are at the crossroads. You are deciding, am I going to continue in what I have learned? Am I going to continue seeking my wisdom from the sacred Scriptures Or am I going to abandon it? And I have discovered that those crossroad points are not respecters of age. That crossroad point can come early in life. It can even come late in life. But some of you are right there today. Will I see life through the lens of Scripture or will I chart my own course? And some of you grow up like Timothy. You were taught the truth. People invested in your life that loved you. Perhaps you even say, I believe. Perhaps you've been baptized. You consider yourself a believer. But in reality, 
You don't look to the Word of God for right and wrong. You don't look to the Word of God as a source of truth. You look within. You listen to influencers in your life. You look to the temporal to try to solve answers, give answers that only the eternal can give. And so if you're a young adult, if you're a student, if you are a parent, a grandparent, if you find yourself at this crossroads point, I encourage you to highlight and to memorize 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. And there are three things that you need to take note of here. Number one, continue in what you have learned. Do not abandon the truth of the Word of God. Do not abandon the truth of the Word of God, even whenever it's unpopular. You continue to hold fast to the truth that is in the sacred scriptures. Number two, remember those who taught it to you. For Timothy, it was his mother, it was his grandmother that taught him the truth of the Word of God. Look back over your own life, particularly those of you that were raised in church. Who is it that taught you the Word of God? Remember those folks. Remember those Sunday school teachers. Remember those youth ministers. Remember that mom. Remember that grandmother that prayed for you. You remember those people that truly, genuinely loved you, and they loved you to the degree that they wanted you to know God and they wanted you to know His truth. They care about you. And Paul says to Timothy, Remember those people. Don't forget the investment that they made in your life. Now, one of the things that you'll discover about Christianity and about the truth of the Word of God is that when someone reaches the end of the journey, no, they, they never say, my biggest mistake in life was following the Bible. My biggest mistake in the life was that I read the Bible too much. I just anchored my life in this book way too much. I shouldn't have done that. Instead, when people reach the end of life, they find comfort from the Word of God. And often, whenever they've gone away from it through the course of their life, what they'll tell me is my biggest mistake in life was that I, I, didn't, I didn't return to it quickly enough. I tried to do it my own way, and I messed it up. And then thirdly, Paul says to Timothy, remember this, the Scriptures are sacred. They contain the wisdom that you need for salvation and life. And so here's my prayer for you today. I pray that you will not abandon the solid, sacred, unchangeable truth of God's Word for soft, secular, changeable truth that shifts with the winds of opinion. Hold fast to the Word of God. Well, the Bible continues in verse 16. It says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. And so we see five truths about our sacred Scripture. Number one, the Bible is inspired by God. Literally, that word inspired means God breathed. I have a friend who's a close talker. You have any friends that are close talkers? And so whenever he talks to you, he gets really close. And you're kind of like, dude, your breath. That's, keep it to yourself, man, okay? I know it smells minty clean, but it's your minty clean, all right? It's personal. I don't need to feel your breath or smell your breath. Well, the Scriptures reveal the inner thoughts, the 
breath of God, the personal nature of God. It's truth that comes from his lungs and reveals him to us. God has no desire to be a detached deity who created all things and then says, good luck with that. God desires to be a personal known creator that you can know his inner thoughts, his purposes, his ways, and he's revealed himself to us in the pages of Scripture. We do not worship the Bible. We worship the God of the Bible. But the Bible reveals to us who God is. His ways, His purposes, and how we can join Him in what He's doing. It reveals to us the wisdom of salvation. Secondly, the Bible is profitable for teaching. You see, Scripture forces you to wrestle with the ultimate questions of life. Questions like, Where do we come from? Where are we going? Why am I here? What is right? What is wrong? What is family? What is marriage? What is human sexuality? How do I love? How do I be loved? Why is there suffering? What is hope? What's going to happen at the end of the world? What is the meaning of it all? Christianity forces you to wrestle with life's ultimate questions. And in Scripture, we find answers to these questions. Now, some, when they read God's answer to the question, don't like it. And so they push away. Because for whatever reason, they don't like the Bible's answer. But the Bible does give an answer. And if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, Whenever you come to an answer that you don't like, or maybe you have to work through, rather than pushing away, you lean in. And ultimately, you embrace the truth of God because it is profitable for teaching. Thirdly, the Bible rebukes. It reveals faulty thinking or wrong behavior. Now, I know this is hard to believe, but sometimes... You're not right. I know. Sometimes I'm not right either. Sometimes we do wrong. Sometimes the masses are not right. The majority may say, this is right. And yet sometimes they're wrong. I'm thankful for our police officers. How many of you are thankful for our police officers? I I appreciate it. Appreciate them so much, but I do not like to meet them whenever I'm driving. I don't like to meet them at all whenever you get pulled over and the officer comes to your window and gives you a ticket. That ticket is a rebuke. It says you've been breaking the law and you need to change your behavior. And this is a rebuke that says, You've done wrong, and you can argue it, you can fight against it, yet at the same time, you were speeding. It's a rebuke. And yes, the Bible rebukes. And when the Bible shows you areas of your life that are in need of change, you have to wrestle with, am I going to change or not? Am I going to fight against God on this? Or am I going to succumb to God as a worshiper? But that rebuke is part of his teaching to grow you as a disciple. Fourth, the scripture says that the Bible corrects. Now, this word corrects means to set back up an object 
that has fallen. Now, this is huge to me because not only does the Bible teach what is right and rebuke us whenever we do wrong, but it also corrects us. It sets back up an object that has fallen. There is nothing more frustrating in life than someone who points out all the problems but never does anything to solve the problems. You ever run into that? They come to you, here's my list of everything you should fix, okay? And so you go off and you fix that and you try to be diligent and you come back to them and say, I've got check marks by everything here. I've done it all. And they say, good. While you were doing that, I made another list, okay? Go at it again. There's nothing more frustrating than that. Yet the Bible doesn't just point out things. It also corrects. It changes us. Everyone in this room has been hurt by other people. And everybody in this room has done things that have hurt others. We've all tried to do things our own way. And we all have scars from having tried to do things our own way. Some of us carry those scars of guilt. We carry those scars within our marriages, within our relationship with our children. Everywhere we go, we carry some of those scars. God doesn't just point out your faults and leave you broken. He doesn't just offer you a stern lecture and a threat. He offers you His grace. He offers you His wisdom, His love, His truth. And He grants to believers the power of His Holy Spirit who comes and indwells you. God doesn't just call you to behave better. He calls you to heart transformation. He doesn't just say, hey, go do it on your own. He says, I'm going to indwell you and empower you to do what you could never do on your own. The Holy Spirit offers you a fresh start, a fresh perspective, a fresh lease on life. I'm so thankful that God doesn't just leave me broken. I'm so thankful that God doesn't just point out all my deficiencies. But God reaches out to the poor man on the side of the street. And like the good Samaritan, pulls him out of the ditch, takes him to be healed. And God does whatever He can through His power and grace to change us and to heal us and to correct our course. And it doesn't matter how far you've gone, how far you've drifted from the truth of the Lord, you are never beyond the reach of grace. God's grace extends to you and you can have a new beginning and a new heart and a new life and your life can be marked by forgiveness and purpose and hope through the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Fifth, the Bible trains me in righteousness. It teaches me how to live. Look at verse 17, the end of the passage. So the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You see, the beginning point of Christianity is a personal proclamation that I'm not okay. I have sinned. I I am in need of forgiveness. I have done things that are wrong. And God has done for me what I could never do for myself. I need God to change me. This causes us to go above the line to worship the God who created us. 
The beginning point of self-help is always about looking within to discover the giant within you and ultimately to say, I am okay in and of myself. Christianity says, no, the beginning point of true growth is to realize I have done things that are wrong. I do need forgiveness. I do need something beyond me. And so we call out to God in salvation, turning from our sins to Him. And the growing point of Christianity occurs when the Holy Spirit invades your life and empowers you and leads you towards the truth of God so that He begins transforming you into a new creation to be the person that God created you to be. So there's young Timothy at the crossroads in his spiritual journey. There you are at the crossroads in your spiritual journey. Are you going to go above the line? Are you going to understand the truth of God and see life through the lens of sacred Scripture? When you're faced with a big decision, when you're faced with issues regarding family and children and marriage and human sexuality, when you're faced with these decisions, are you going to go above the line? Are you just going to stay below the line? Are you going to live below the line and look to the opinions of others? Or are you going to go above the line and see the eternal perspective? So what's it going to be, Timothy? Which way are you going to go? How are you going to see the world? I think the God of the universe whispers to our soul today His truth. Here's what he says to us. Continue in what you have learned and firmly believe. You know those who taught you. And you know that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So all scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we bow our heads? I'm here at the front. If there's anything that I can help you with, it's my joy to be a pastor to you today. If today needs to be the day where you begin your walk with Christ and trust in Him as Lord and Savior, please come see me. I would love to help you be a Christian and know what it means to follow Christ. Heavenly Father, we stand here with our heads bowed and we gather in this room today to worship you and yet in each of our lives there are stories. Throughout this week, some of us have been faced with decisions and Lord, I pray that whenever we face the decisions of life, that we will seek your wisdom from your word as to how we might please you and honor you. Help us, Lord, not to play the role of God. Help us, Lord, to trust you to be God. Help us, Father, to realize that whenever we lack wisdom, that you invite us to come to you and seek wisdom from you. And that when we draw near to you in prayer, you give us the heavenly perspective. When we open your word, we see the revealed truth of God. And I pray that we might have a biblical worldview 
that guides us and shapes us. Father, may we be mindful that everybody that does something of significance in life stands for something. And so, Lord, help us not to just drift to whatever thought might lead us in. Instead, help us to be men and women of purpose with lives that are anchored in truth that has stood the test of time. To remember that billions of people over hundreds of years have lived their lives by the truth of your word and that we too are surrounded by this cloud of witness as we live our life for you. So Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word. And I pray that we might go above the line, grow up in you, grow together with one another so that we might go below the line and live a life of service and live a life of joy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.